Thanks, Sharon. Hey, those of you that were here on, on Tuesday night with Jossie, did you like that? Yeah, wasn't he absolutely phenomenal? And it was just uh, such a privilege having Jossie here, being able to celebrate our 25th year uh, as a church. Now, uh, Sharon and I and Liz and Rod and Matthew Collins will, will be here next week. But for week, event on Monday, Monday of the 11th, we're heading off to India for a couple of weeks. And so um, we'll be going over and, and uh, I'm not sure that we'll spend any time with Jossie. He'll be there at the same time for part of that time. Uh, but we're really looking forward to that as well. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. What we're here to talk about is the fact that we've got this new series that we've started, and I'm really, really excited about it. It's a series where I hope uh, we'll not only learn more about uh, how God's working in the world today through his Holy Spirit, but I want to take it beyond just, just head knowledge. Uh, I, want, I want there to be a deeper level of experience as we come to actually understand the power of the presence of his Holy Spirit. Caleb, um, we've got a problem, obviously, with the microphone. Is, is that fixed now? or yeah, It's feeding back a bit, anyway. Um, so, before we go further, I just wanted uh, to uh, talk for a second about uh, uh, great movies that you've seen or books that you've read. And the really good ones often end up with sequels, don't they? Uh, you, you see something uh, like... Indiana Jones. And how many Indiana Jones uh, movies were there? The answer is quite a few. I don't know the exact answer. In Star Wars, and there was the Star Wars trilogy, and it seemed to keep on going. And uh, uh, then we've got Shrek, and uh, you know, there were, yeah, that's right. And then there were, there were uh, sequels to that. And then we've got The Lord of the Rings. But I'll tell you, do you know what the greatest sequel in all of history was? What do you reckon? Any, any guesses? What's that, sorry? Jeffrey, you're right on the money. I reckon it's a book of Acts. You see, today I want to, tell, uh, to begin by telling you uh, a bit about this book, which is the greatest sequel that, ever, uh, uh, that was ever written. In the book of Acts, it's sometimes known as the Acts of the Apostles, and it has been known as that for, for many, many years, but it's probably better known as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is actually mentioned 65 times through the 28 chapters in the book of Acts. And that's, about, that's nearly two and a half times uh, in every chapter. And so whilst we're looking at people like the Apostles Peter and the Apostle Paul and, and various other people as we go through Acts, the Holy Spirit is never far away. And in the book of Acts, we see that it's the Holy Spirit who's working through uh, the believers that have seen absolutely incredible things done. Now, who wrote the, the book of Acts? Well, tell me. Luke. It was Luke, that's right. And so you probably also guess what other book he read, he wrote. It was called the book of Luke. And that's very good, very good. Ten out of ten so far today. And so when you combine Luke and Acts together, it's actually uh, the most of any writer in the New Testament in terms of length. And so at the beginning of, of Acts, Luke wrote to his friend Theophilus. Say Theophilus for me, will you? Well done, well done. It sounds like a disease, doesn't it? But anyway, we won't go there. And he said to Theophilus, to that guy whose name began with T, uh, I wrote the former account, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. And that's right at the beginning of the first uh, verse in Acts. And 
back in Luke, he also addressed the book of Luke to the same Theophilus. So really what we've got is, is two chapters, if you like, of the same book. Or we've got, uh, got a prequel and a sequel. Take it whichever way you want. It's a story that's divided into two books. And now he wrote Acts, um, the sequel to, to the book of Luke, during which basically he recorded uh, the life of Jesus. You see, what Acts is, it's actually Jesus continued. That's simply what the book of Acts is. It's Jesus continued. At the end of Luke, we, we, we see the ascension, Jesus ascending into heaven. And then at the beginning of Acts, we see Jesus ascending into heaven. So there's that hinge, if you like, uh, which joins both books together. It's a one, it's a one uh, aspect of both books, which is actually repeated. In Luke 24, 52, right at the end of Luke, it says, so they worshipped him, that's Jesus, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And that's as Jesus ascended into heaven. And that's where we find the disciples in the opening scenes of Acts. You see, there are 120 of them who were gathered there in that upper room. They were, they were gathered there, they were doing two things. They were praying and what else were they doing? They were waiting. They were praying and they were waiting and they were praying and they were waiting. And they did that for 10 days until the Holy Spirit came. That was 50 days after Jesus' resurrection from the, de- from the dead. But what were they waiting for? Well, at the end of Acts, again, Jesus told the disciples in Luke twenty four forty nine. he said, I am sending you what my Father promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Now, I reckon naturally they would have gone back to their own hometowns and regions. But instead, there are 120 of them who stayed, knowing that there was a promise of Jesus, that he was promising something. He was promising to send the Holy Spirit. He was promising to clothe them with power from on high. And so they, they were there, and they were worshipping, and they were praying, and they were waiting, and they were praying, and they were waiting. And then Luke repeats this again in Acts chapter 1, where he says this. He says, um, he says that while he was with them, this, that's Jesus, he declared, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait there for what my father promised, which you heard about from me. For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. You know, I think what he was saying is that when, when you receive this, this special power that I'm sending you, this Holy Spirit power, you're going to be my witnesses to everyone, everywhere. Who, who are we to witness to? Everyone, everywhere. And that's what he was empowering us to do. The promise of Jesus found right at the end of Luke and the promise at the beginning of Acts have one important thing in common. And it's the promise of experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. And today, friends, there are three things I want to talk to you about. And if you want, um, you can take out your smartphones and take notes on the live padlet. I've posted the, um, the, the link in the Tauras community group on Facebook. And uh, the link here is uh, padlet.com slash slash power. And you can take notes there and see what everyone else is noting as well. So... The three things I want to talk about is that the Holy Spirit is experiences power. The Holy Spirit is experiences power for a purpose. 
see that the purpose isn't just for us, so we can have wonderful church services, etc. There is a far broader purpose. And the Holy Spirit's power is available for you to receive. And those are the three things we're touching on today. Now, it's really important for us to understand why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to us, because quite frankly, we need his power if we're to live the kind of life that he actually wants us to live. We need his power if we're to overcome the, the struggles and the addictions, if we're to even forgive, as, as he calls us to, to forgive. We need his power working in us if we're to become the people he calls us to be, to see the fruit of the Spirit growing in our lives and shaping our character. We need his power if we're to follow him to do the things that he actually calls us to do. We need his power if we're to love others as he actually showed us how to love and he called us to do as well. The Apostle Paul, um, he describes his power as being his incomparably great power for us who believe. Don't you love that? His incomparably great power for us who believe. And that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Isn't that an awesome thought to think that that power is available for each and every one of us? You know, when we come across unsurmountable problems in our life, problems which just stop us, problems for which we've got no hope, problems for which we've got no answer, we see that there is this power that is there, this power which is incomparable and which raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available there for us to draw upon and to fill us. You know, sometimes I think it's, it's like we're, we have a power tool and we, we wish that it would work, but it won't work and because we don't just plug it into the source. And right next to us is a PowerPoint, which has all the power that is available that we could ever possibly need. But we don't. We have the drill in our hand or whatever it is, and the cord in our hand, and wishing, wishing, wishing that it would do what we wanted it to do, but we don't take that step of plugging it in and turning it on. And I think that's a bit like that incomparably great power that Paul talked about in Ephesians 1, 19 and and 20. So finally, after waiting 10 days, those 120 believers who gathered in the upper room experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to just forewarn you that at the end of the service, we'll be praying for everyone who wants this power to be poured out upon them. It's a power to achieve breakthroughs. It's a power to overcome sin. To, to fortify us, to strengthen us. And it's a power to see our, our lives transformed. Don't feel pressure that you have to come forward for prayer. Don't feel under any pressure at all. But you may well feel under the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, if that's what he wants you to do. You see, Acts chapter 2, it describes what happened when this power came, when the Holy Spirit uh, fell, but when the time of waiting was over. Waiting, 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 and then... Holy Spirit came. Of course, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. You see, part of the fruit of the power of the Holy Spirit is community. The, the fruit of the Spirit will bind us together in unity and bring us together in community. There is no such thing as a solo Christian. God binds us together as part of his body. I mean, suddenly a, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven 
and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Can you imagine being there? Being here there like now, and we can hear the air conditioning, uh, a bit like a loud wind. I think that's a very, very poor imitation of what they, they experienced all those years ago. But it must have been just incredible. I mean, what's that? What's, what's happening? And then they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and come to rest on each of them. And then all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak to others in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So under the power of the Holy Spirit, these men and women, they actually went out and changed the world. The world had never seen anything like this. In fact, it's estimated that uh, within 300 years, 10% of the Roman Empire, which is the greatest empire in the world, had become Christian. 10%, which is absolutely extraordinary. The faith that was left behind by a man who died, but then sent his spirit to keep that faith alive and to live within us. Before I go any further, I want to tell you something that I want you to remember today. It's something that a guy by the name of K.D. D. Greer wrote about in his book, How Jesus Continued, and it's simply this. It's better to have a Holy Spirit inside you than Jesus beside you. Now, that's an extraordinary claim, isn't it? You probably think I'm off my rocker thinking that. Who wouldn't love to go through life having Jesus walking along hand in hand with you? I mean, that'd be pretty awesome, wouldn't it? You can, you can imagine that. But this thing that I just said, which where I quoted K.D. Greer, it, it sounds quite troubling. But as we go through today and just unpack from scriptures a bit more, I think you'll see there is an incredible truth there. Uh, which will provide us with, with a sense of comfort that that's unbelievable. You see, as the apostles went with Jesus, they saw him giving the most amazing teaching. They saw him perform miracles, walking on water, raising the dead, healing the sick. They saw this most extraordinary love emanating from him, like the time that at uh, the Last Supper when he, he insisted on, on washing everyone's feet and he even uh, washed the feet of Judas who he knew was going to betray him. And then he said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Could you wash the feet of a Judas? That's the kind of love that Jesus showed us and called us to walk in. So how would it be better to have the Holy Spirit by our side? Well, let me explain. You see, Jesus said in John 16, 7, uh, he said, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. It's strange, isn't it? It's for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate, meaning the Holy Spirit, will not come to you, but I will go and I'll send him to you. You see, Jesus knew the secret, he knew the truth that the Holy Spirit in us was going to be better than, the whole, that, uh, than, than him being by our side. And with, with the Holy Spirit comes the supernatural gifts that he brings and distributes to people, to those who are open to receive and to walk in them. Now, Dave, I'd like uh, you to come up. Could you come up here for a moment? How about we give Dave a big welcome? <clears throat> Now, many of you know Davo from a couple of things. Uh, one, he's an elder of a church here. 
another thing is that he's the guy who's here through the week setting up all the time. And so he's setting out chairs and he's doing this and he's doing that. But there's another part to Davo that I want to tell you about today. Davo has got a, an extremely accurate prophetic gift. And uh, I acknowledge him as one of the most accurate prophets that I've ever come across in my life. Now, he's not quick to prophesy over people. And there's a reason for that is because he, gar- he, he regards the responsibility that he has been given extremely, extremely carefully. And uh, if he opens his, his mouth to bring a prophetic word, you better believe it. Uh, you better believe it. It's, it's worth listening to. Of course, with any prophetic word, when I say you better believe it, I mean you better believe it. It's, he's got something worthwhile to say. Any prophetic word, we need to test and put on the shelf and make sure it's accurate, make sure it's right. Uh, but in all the time I've known David, I can't think of one time when his prophetic word has actually been off. And uh, I don't know anyone else that I can say that about, in all honesty. So, Davo, um, would you just like to explain a bit, a bit about how God uses you with that particular gift? Um, it's a scary thing, the prophetic, because it carries a responsibility that you have to get it right and usually God gives me a picture and like Tim asked me during the week had I got anything not really but uh, I had a sort of sense that there was a day of breakthrough for people and since about a half an hour ago I just have a sense God usually gives me a picture and then usually the words come and that's when the walk of faith comes because you sometimes have to open your mouth with the picture and you have no words so uh, it's been a journey but I have a great sense today that the throne room of God is open for us and I sense that God is waiting for us to come today. So my encouragement to you is it's a day of breakthrough, it's a day of healing, it's a day of salvation and God is busting, absolutely busting for us to come into that throne room and receive from him. So there's one thing I've sort of learned over a number of years is that God is more willing to bless us then we are willing to be blessed sometimes. Yeah. He always always has more for us. And it's, you know, I'm speaking from experience, I'll hold back sometimes. God wants to bless us. So if I can encourage you, come in today, come into the throne room, come into God's presence, because he's waiting. He is absolutely waiting. Fantastic. Thank you very much for that, Davo. And um, so can I encourage you, if Davo uh, has a, uh, offers to pray for you at any stage, please take, it, take him up on that. Um, you know, just for, uh, during the week, often I'll bring people into Davo, uh, people who don't know him, and, and uh, to see if he has a word for them. Never met them before, and the accuracy has just been absolutely astounding. So, uh, you're a blessing, Davo, and if there's anything, any word that the Lord lays on your heart through today, please let us know, okay? Okay. So, who's willing to take Davo up on the, the challenge that he just issued just then? Without actually coming into the place of God's blessing and to receive it. Now, sometimes we can feel prompted to do things that we don't understand. We really don't understand. And um, I remember it was three years ago that a lady by the name of Bettina, who became part of the church here, and uh, she didn't understand why, but God prompted her to come to church. Um, where are we? lost my place here yeah I'll come to Bettina in a moment um, but Bettina now has, has she's had to go back down the northwest coast 
uh, to help look after her parents down there, but uh, her heart's still here. But she was just prompted one day to come to church, and she'd never been to church before in her life. And God showed up for her, and uh, she encountered the living God, and her life has been changed eternally as a result. Now, Jesus said in John 14, 12, he said, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they'll do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Again, if this is in a, a slab of scripture in, in the middle, in the chapters of John, around John 14, 15, 16, towards the end of John, where Jesus is, is talking about the Holy Spirit and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And this is an extraordinary claim, isn't he? He's saying that the people who are left here will do even greater things than he did. Can you imagine that? I reckon people of the time thought, you must be kidding. You must be wrong somehow. How could this be? Well, we just need to look at what happened after the Holy Spirit came. You see, the first thing that happened, one of, or one of the first things that happened was that the church was born. The bunch of believers that Jesus left behind became the first church. Jesus never started a church in his whole life. But with the Holy Spirit coming, we entered the church age. And we see churches all over the world, and, and each church is the body of Christ. When, when we, we come together using our gifts under his leadership, it's like we are Christ of the world, his feet and his hands and his mouth to the world. What else happened? Well, at Pentecost immediately, 3,000 came to faith and received forgiveness for their sins. That never happened when Jesus was alive. That was another great event. And then the apostles healed the sick and they raised the dead and they cast out demons, just like Jesus did. That still happens today. But they also did something else. They took his good news throughout the known world. And we read about the, the incredible journeys of Paul and his buddies as they went out to, to different parts of the known world. Jesus never did that. His ministry was confined to Palestine, to Israel. But Jesus, but the apostles took, took the good news literally to everyone, everywhere. Do you know there's, there's a group in America that, that looks at all the unreached people groups in the world and um, a few years ago I saw one of their reports and I forget how many unreached people groups are still to be reached but there's one ministry they reckon has actually reached more unreached people groups than any other in the history of mankind. Do you know what that ministry is? Some part? So the Holy Spirit is experienced as power. And that's why it's better to have the Holy Spirit inside of you than Jesus beside you. Now, we now need to understand why the Holy Spirit offers this power, but it comes packed with a purpose. We can't separate the power from the purpose. You see, before he ascended, Jesus said to the disciples, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And immediately the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples. They boldly and miraculously went out and preached the good news of Jesus. Now the, the boldness was evidence of the inner work of the Holy Spirit um, that the Holy Spirit did in their lives. Boldness came from the inner work. That the preaching in different languages was evidence of the miraculous outer working of the Holy Spirit. 
So the Holy Spirit will work both ways. You know, 1 Peter 1, 2 talks about the convicting or the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit is to cleanse us with the blood of Jesus and to teach us to, to, walk in a, to, to live a holy life, walking in obedience to the commands of Jesus. That's the inner work. But then the gifts are also the outer working of the Holy Spirit. And as we trace the Apostles' journey through Acts, we see evidence of the powerful work of the Holy Spirit, both, both in and through the men and the women that we read about. In Acts chapter 3, as Sharon mentioned, uh, we see a crippled beggar asking Peter and John for money. And in Acts 3, 6, Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he did. In fact, he did more than just walk. The scripture actually says that um, he walked and he jumped and he praised God all the way to the temple. Can you imagine seeing that? I guess walking one, two, three, jump. Walking one, two, three, jump. Praise God. I think it was a little bit more joyous and spontaneous than that. But that's what he did. And then as we go through a little bit further, uh, we see what happened next. In, in verse 11 of Acts chapter 3, we see while the man held on to uh, Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And so Peter and John told the crowd the good news about Jesus. The power they had received uh, resulted in them being witnesses about Jesus. See, just to, to draw it really clearly, they saw this, this cripple healed and people came to faith as a result. You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to all people everywhere. It's power with a purpose. And then as we go through Acts, we see this outplaying again and again and again. Um, <laughs> but immediately then, uh, we, we saw two things happen. Another 2,000 people came to faith in Jesus as, as a result of, of hearing the preaching and seeing the testimony of this man who used to be crippled. And you know what then happened? Peter and John were arrested for their trouble. Uh, again, it's a repetitive pattern, isn't it? So what did Peter and John do when they were arrested? Well, Acts 4.8 uh, says, Then Peter and John, filled with the Holy Spirit, well, then they started preaching. And what did they preach? Verse 12, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. They preached the gospel. So even though they were in prison, even though they were in danger, they had this boldness which came upon them. And as we read uh, through the book of Acts, we see that every time that the Holy Spirit came upon people, every time that they're filled with the Holy Spirit, the one thing that we always see happening was boldness. Here in this instance again, it, it talks about people who are already filled with the Holy Spirit back in Acts chapter 2. And here again it says in Acts chapter 4 that they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And the implication of this is that, you know, just being filled with the Holy Spirit once is not enough. The Holy Spirit doesn't leak, but we do. It's a bit like pouring water into a container which has a leak in it. Sometimes you need to put more, pour more water in again or it evaporates or whatever. And we need to have that continual infilling of the Holy Spirit. See, another term for um, the infilling or being filled with is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that literally means to be saturated with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so the question I have for you this morning, are you saturated with the presence of the Holy Spirit? Are you saturated here this morning? Are you saturated? Are you dripping wet with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit? And if not, 
It's time, it's time again to stand up and to say, Lord, I want more. Pour out more upon me. Pour out more of your spirit upon me. And receive, again, refreshing and filling of the Holy Spirit. And then after Peter and John were, were released, in Acts 4.31, it records the believers, they came together to pray. And when they prayed like this, the very room in which our praying was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. So that infilling of the Holy Spirit will always lead to us being bold with our faith. And we see a great example of this further on in Acts with the Apostle Paul. We get to Acts chapter 21 and he's heading back to Jerusalem. Um, then in, in Acts 20 verse 22 it says and now compelled by the Spirit he said the Holy Spirit was leading him and guide him, him, guiding him and drawing, drawing him back to Jerusalem the passage says and not knowing what will happen to me there and the next verse I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me there are even prophetic people who, who did prophetic acts like taking off their belts and binding him up and saying, this is what's going to happen. If you go down there, don't go down there. But yet the Holy Spirit was drawing him, drawing him, drawing him into trouble and danger. But Paul had the boldness to keep on going. And then in, in Acts twenty twenty four, he said this, he said, for I consider my life worth nothing if it's not for the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. He's saying, my life don't really matter that much. What really matters is that I do what Jesus has actually called me to do. See, the infilling of the Holy Spirit gave him an incredible sense of mission, the boldness to keep on going. Going back to that passage up there, you see where it says witnesses? You'll be my witnesses. If you look at what the actual word means, it actually also means martyr. So the commission of the Holy Spirit is literally that we're prepared to die for ourselves. And that's what we see in Paul saying in Acts 20, 24, for I count my life as worth nothing. My life isn't as important as this ministry, this task that Jesus Christ has given me. So the Holy Spirit gives us incredible boldness and power to tell people about Jesus. And he gives us supernatural spiritual gifts that his power works through. Gifts like prophecy and healing and wisdom, miracles, discernment, words of knowledge and faith, tongues and interpretation. These are the power gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they are available to each and every one of us today because the Holy Spirit in us is better than Jesus beside us. Can we all say that together? The Holy Spirit in us is better than Jesus beside us. I'd like you to, to remember that and to take that away. And if it troubles you, ponder it and ponder it and go back to those scriptures in Acts and also in, in John that we're talking about. Now, I mentioned Bettina earlier. Well, some of you remember Bettina. She's the one with a big uh, blue arrow pointing towards her head there. And, um, um, you know, she, uh, I mentioned she felt prompted to come to church once back in 2016, and she'd never been here before. And I messaged her yesterday to see if she minded me telling, her the, st telling the story, and she said, no, that was fine. And, 
and I'll read out part of her response in a moment. <coughs> well, we were sitting there. At the end of the service, um, she told me that she, she uh, didn't know anything about Jesus or church, never been in a church before. Later on, I found out that wasn't quite true. She'd been to a wedding in a church once. Uh, and anyway, I, I just, at the end of the time, together I asked her, um, but, but Tina, do you mind if I pray for you? Oh, no, I guess that's okay. Do you mind if I place my, my hand on your shoulder whilst I pray for you? And she was okay about that. Well, so I started praying. And as I prayed, I just felt prompted this is how words of knowledge work, okay? I felt prompted to pray that the anxiety that had been uh, keeping her confined in her room and kept her afraid of going out would be taken away from her and God could see that. Well, I later found out that was the very reason why she actually came to church because that anxiety had just been keeping her bottled up in home and uh, she wanted to break and she felt a prompting that she had to go to church. Yesterday, Bettina messaged me saying, I do remember wondering how you knew all of that stuff about me when you had only just met me. And you basically said that you didn't know. God had told you and that he basically wanted me to know uh, what he knew. Uh, he wanted me to know that he knew what I was dealing with. To me, that was mind-blowing. To think that someone as awesome as God could possibly be bothered to worry about me. I, and then get this. I felt this amazing warmth that radiated from my heart to the rest of my body and just had a sudden feeling of relief. How awesome is God? How awesome? Now, after that, she, uh, Bettina said to me, um, do you mind telling me what a Christianity is all about? Uh, because she didn't have a clue. Two weeks later, she came to faith. Uh, and then shortly after, she got baptised. And then immediately after that with Jeffrey and others were now sharing their faith with others uh, boldly. It was like the boldness of the Holy Spirit had come up upon her. And um, yeah, it's, God's doing a good work, which is, is fantastic. Now, I just think it's, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit will manifest when we step out in such a loving and powerful way. The Apostle Paul talks about it like this. He said, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Just close your eyes for a moment and imagine God's love being poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's carrying it right deep inside us to permeate every aspect of our being. Isn't that a an incredible, incredible picture. Romans 5, 5. So the Holy Spirit manifests in power time after time. When, when A, we're fill, filled with the Spirit, B, uh, we're prepared to step out, and C, we're prepared to bring his love and power to those who don't know him. You know, when, when I meet someone who's not a Christian, but who's open, uh, if it's appropriate, I always ask um, if I can pray for them. I remember I prayed for you, Selena, and um, uh, within moments, you'd, Sharon was there too. You basically collapsed into my arms and said, oh my goodness, I don't know what this is, but it feels so good. <laughs> and, uh, and then I think you had pretty well trouble walking for the rest of the day. Um, you're so over, overwhelmed with the love of the grace of God. And that was before you came to faith. I've got to tell you another story. Do you, do you mind a, uh, another quick story? Okay. 
Well, last Saturday night, uh, I met Robin Lynn, and um, last Saturday night, I was staying in Adelaide, and uh, I had a, a, I was in a shocking place, actually, shocking place, at photos from a balcony uh, that you can see up there. So I was looking out of a setting sun, and, and the night before, uh, I'd heard this couple in the room next to me, out on the balcony, and the guy didn't know many words. In fact, he knew so few words, he had to, every second word to pad out the sentence began with F. <laughs> so it was F and this, F and that, F and that, F and that. And anyway, what happened was that um, I was working on the balcony because I had to preach over in South Australia last Sunday and uh, I got up to take a photo and the guy got up at the same time. You see, there was a wall separating so we couldn't see each other until we went out to the front of the balcony and, and he, he said, g'day, and I said, g'day. And uh, then, you know, engaged in conversation, so I pulled my, my chair up next to the edge of the balcony and we had a really good chat. And it soon turned out that, um, you know, soon found that, that he was a, a non-believing Catholic. Well, he wasn't sure if he believed or not. Um, but anyway, and, and his wife, Lynn, uh, had a faith in God, but, but, but neither of them practised it. And then at one stage he said, well, I'm not really a Christian. Well, how, how do we get into this spiritual conversation? Well, you see, he asked me what I did, and I thought, oh, this would be good. I said, oh, I'm a pastor. What about you? <laughs> and then um, from going effing uh, something and smoke, drink, effing something, smoke, drink, it just became smoke, drink, smoke, drink. <laughs> so already there was behaviour modification that took place. Anyway, we had, a, had a, a great talk. He was as ochreish as you could imagine. He was a Kiwi ochre. I don't know if that's possible. Um, but anyway, that, that's how it came. And I kept on steering the conversation away from religion, believe it or not, because he was just so into it. And I thought, I don't want to bore him with this, but he could be bang, he took me straight back on, straight back into religious conversations again. And then towards the end of the evening, you know, I was looking at the clock thinking, I've still got work to do on my message for tomorrow. And um, I've got a message to give tomorrow and have to be up early. So um, I said, said to him, look, been lovely meeting you, but I've, I need to, to go. I've got some work to do and I'm you know, early start in the morning. Guess what I did then? I said, but before I go, do you mind if I pray for you? He said, oh, no, that'd be okay. And I said, do you mind if I place my, my hand on your shoulder? Oh, no, 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 that's fine. And so I prayed for him. And then, and his wife, Lynn, had gone off the balcony into the room at this stage. She wasn't there. And um, he said, oh, wow. He said, that was, that was really special. <laughs> he struggled for words. He just didn't know what to say. And then, this is so funny, then Lynn came back onto the balcony and he said, Tim, would you do to Lynn what you just did to me, please? <laughs> I thought I'd better clarify really quickly. Uh, I said, Lynn, I was about to head off. Um, and so I just uh, offered to pray for Rob and prayed for him. Would you like me to pray for you too? And said, oh, yeah, that, that'd be nice, please. And so, again, do you mind if I um, put my hand on your shoulder or took your, take your hand? I forget which one it was. No, no, that'd be fine. And I prayed for him. God gave me a word of knowledge. And that um, was about, um, you know, I, I just felt that, um, uh, that she was feeling contained and that life wasn't measuring up and she was saying goodbye to what she knew was was uh, more fulfilling than she'd ever experienced before. And uh, her heart yearned for more, but now 
it was an opportunity for her actually to step out and go on the journey and find out more that she didn't know if she had existed or not. You know, she got a bit emotional at that. I got her, her contact details and I mentioned Sharon's soul-keeping site to her because I thought that would be the perfect thing for, for her to keep track on. And um, I, was, I sent contact details of that site to them. And I don't know if they, what they've done with that, but my hope and my encouragement to both of them was, you now you know that God's real. Go on the journey and find him because he's there and he's looking for you. So, that was my last Saturday night. <laughs> you know, living with life without the power of the Holy Spirit is like driving a car without turning on the engine. We can coast along at times when we run out of steam. But there's an engine, power, that's waiting for us. The Holy Spirit gives the outer power to us to minister to others and the inner power to break addictions, to provide hope, to bring comfort, to bring peace, to bring joy, to see our lives transformed by developing in us the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the perseverance, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, and the self-control. That God promises us of the fruit of the Holy Spirit being alive and well in our lives. Now, I hope you now understand a bit more about what I mean by saying that, and we can all say it together. It's better to have the Spirit inside me than Jesus beside me. And the good news is that the Holy Spirit's power is available for each and every one of us to receive. Each and every one of us. There's not one person here that isn't precious to God. There isn't one person here that he doesn't have this great big, big bucket of love to pour into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. If only we'll open our hearts to him. So a question. Do you want to have the Holy Spirit's power in you available to you it's a decision that can't be forced upon you and shouldn't be it's a decision that we can say yes to see to receive the Holy Spirit's power you need to, to go beyond knowing about the Holy Spirit learning is good but it has its limitations did you know in John 14 Jesus actually says when we have the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit will teach us all things so our learning will actually be increased and take on new ways when we have the Holy Spirit. I know so many people who the Bible doesn't make sense to them when they receive the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden they develop a hunger and a thirst for the Word of God and their eyes are open and their learning is incredible. I remember of Jeffrey as an example. After he first came to faith, uh, all of a sudden he told me some things which are scripturally true as we're, we're having a meeting. And I thought, where did you learn that from? Because coming from an atheist background, there's no way that he was versed in any of this. But again, the Holy Spirit will teach us in all things. So learning is good, but allow the Holy Spirit to become, come into the, the picture as a teacher. The Holy Spirit makes the Word of God living and active like a double-edged sword. It makes it come alive. To receive the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to experience the filling with the Holy Spirit. And some of you have never experienced this feeling before. And others of you 
may well have experienced the feeling the, 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 the feeling that you're dry, you're spiritually dry, and you need a fresh touch. You need that big bucket of love and power to be poured into your heart just one more time, and then another time after that, and another time after that. Well, how do we do this? Well, it's quite simple. There's a three-letter word I want to teach you. It's called ask, A-S-K. Jesus said, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He'll never force himself upon us. He's looking for willingness and openness and receptivity. He's looking for hunger. He's looking for thirst. He's looking for people to pour himself into. Remember, it's better to have the Spirit inside me than Jesus beside me. I'm going to pray now. I'm going to pray specifically for the power of the Holy Spirit to be poured out on everyone here. But before I do, I'm just going to give you a moment or two just where you can come before God privately and personally. You can pray quietly or you can pray aloud. I don't care. God will hear either way. And if it's in your heart to ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you and anoint you with his power, I want you to do that just for a moment or two between you and God. So just pray. If you have prayed to receive the, the Holy Spirit and His power, I'd like you to stand with your arms out like a child wanting to receive. Father, give me. Father, bless me. Give me your Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying that the Holy Spirit will be poured out on you. And then when I finish praying and we enter into a time of worship, the elders will be up front here, the elders of the church, and we've got some oil, and we'd love to pray for and anoint you with oil and pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit, a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. Can I ask that you do not hesitate or wait to the end of the, the worship, but uh, race, race up forward, race, race to be prayed for. Be anxious for the, the prayer. So, Father, I thank you and praise you for the men, women and children here today. And, Lord, we ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us afresh. Father God, that you'll fill our hearts with your love, that you'll, you'll pour your power upon us, that you'll, you'll permeate every aspect of who we are with the presence, the powerful and beautiful presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord God, that we, we break off depression in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we, we, we declare healings in the name of Jesus. We de declare healings of emotion and comfort in the mighty name of Jesus. Father God, we, we declare that, 
addictions will be broken, that people will be set free in Jesus' name. (coughs) In Jesus' name. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Pour out the beautiful presence. Lord, we ask that you open the throne rooms of heaven and you fall upon us with your love and your power that we can receive your power with a purpose. Lord, I proclaim your blessings upon everyone here today. Lord, I ask those who are thirsty, those who are hungry, to come that we may pray for them and that your Holy Spirit may touch them. We ask in Jesus' name.